0: Hi, guys. Welcome into your Wednesday, October 19th, OBR Film Breakdown podcast. It's our usual guest, Jared Mueller, who will be joining us for this episode as we ask what I think we have are some really good Browns burning questions for the week. And, um, you know, the Browns are in a weird spot. It's not it's not anything uh, groundbreaking to you. And I think a lot of based on the numbers of the I have of people either reading the work I've written, which today I wrote up. Um, uh, the, the examples I wanted to really highlight examples of the points the offense left on the field the defense's day is coming trust me I've got enough tape pulled on that the defense's day is coming but the offense had a real chance Sunday to still be pretty good they had a lot of opportunities that were missed so I wrote about that and I wanted to highlight in there you know the Patriots were uh, among the the worst cover like how they phrased it PFF was blown coverages or our guys wide open uh, the Patriots had the most in the week. So the Browns had a ton of opportunity and I presented those to you about just just stuff that they sacrificed to do certain things to Jacoby and left a lot of open windows. So I wrote that up. That's at the OBR on top of my Stefanski pressure article on Monday. So that is kind of where we're going is trying to put this all into perspective. Now you have your Sunday instant reaction, which is usually emotional and uh, upset. I kind of walked back some of that stuff yesterday When I gave you my points on the game and the energy and effort and some of that stuff, I walked it back a little bit and gave you my reason for why I thought the end of the game was the way it was and how their vibe was. And I think Jared and I are going to attack an interesting question on that. And we have a great slew of questions from a reader slash listener that we're going to put out here in a little bit. So first of all, Jared, welcome in, man. I hope you're not watching the Home Run Derby going on in New York as we're recording this. It's 4 no, nothing. I'm, I hope when you guys get this, it's a different yeah. outcome, but it's just not optimistic about it right now.
1: Yeah, so I'm a I'm a bad luck charm. I have literally turned on games that the the Gardos were winning, and they lose uh, shortly after I turn it on. And, and then I wake up the next day, and they've won because I turned the game off. So uh, the game is not on in this house. Uh, my wife and I have agreed that we are both kind of a bad luck charm for that. So there is not <laughs> a game on in this house. I don't have game cast up. I am not... Besides Twitter throwing me some crap, it ain't. I'm not. It's not going to be because of me, man. Well, I, I will say I'm watching it
0: live, so I will react if something happens. You guys can get a laughter maybe later about how I react to this. They Yankees <laughs> just dropped a ball down the left field line, and it's second and third or first and second here with with um in the top of the thirds. Four nothing Yankees on a Judge and Stanton three run home run. So it's 4 nothing, uh, but there's a three zero count, so we might see the bases loaded for Jose, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, back to the topic at hand, <laughs> which is the Cleveland Browns, and we have to have some banter on these guys, right? So I think, like I said, a lot of the focus is around the defense, and these were great questions submitted by Aaron Hitchens, who is on Twitter. Don't need to look him up or do anything crazy. I think Aaron has wrote one of the nicest letters to me about listening to the pod, and And, um, I listen, shout out to you, Aaron. I really appreciate it. And I want you guys to know if you want specific things answered on this podcast by me or any of the usual guests all season, please send them over via Twitter. You can do that on Twitter or you can do it at the OBR. Send me a direct message. If you're a subscriber, I will gladly answer anything you would like to know. Always willing to do that. So he has a slew of questions, and Jared and I are just going to give our perspective on those uh, specific questions. His first one is talking about the defense, because I think we're all very, very worried about the defense. I tried to talk you through how I thought they were better in a lot of places yesterday, but there are several key plays, which has been a theme this year. Several plays sort of breaking everything else up, because what they're doing is they're getting crippled by their breakdown some teams don't evidenced by the coverage busts against new england from their secondary they didn't get hurt by them but the browns mistakes are right in front of you they're very glaring and they're getting hurt and that's why the defense is the way it is right now now some teams around the league it varies they're not as susceptible to issues and and it's it's not like every team's blowing a bunch of stuff every game but there is a level of um unpredictability to this stuff sometimes that you know, you're on the wrong side or right side of, which again, we'll talk about being on the wrong side or right side of some of this stuff later. I think there's a good question baked in there, Jared. But the first one he asks is the defense looks worse this year than 2020 with Sendejo, MJ Stewart, some of those popular names. I think back then it was Carl Joseph was playing. He's asking <laughs> how. Is it is the talent they have, is it just a myth? Is this a front office
1: personnel issue thing? I'm curious your answer on that, Jared. Yeah, you know, I think My answer is I think they leaned a little too heavy into athletic profile. Uh, And on the defense, you know, it's kind of like offensive line. Your weak link on offensive line decides how good your offensive line is. Well, really, that's actually true on on most defenses, unless it's a defense like New England, which said we're going to take away the run and just hope Jacoby Reset or assume Jacoby Reset is not going to find those guys. And so I just think there's just not enough guys like Andrew Sedejo was not a quality player, but he oftentimes, not always, was in the right place, right? He he could sneak a little bit. Like I remember as a playing shortstop in uh, in baseball, I wasn't the most athletic, but I was reading the bat and where the pitch was going to be and all that. And so I was already going left or right as the pitch was coming in, really, and I was pretty much right pretty often and so it worked out for me to kind of make up for my lack of athleticism. I just think the Browns front office has leaned too heavily into some of those physical traits and haven't really figured out whether it's, again, this is where I don't know, is Joe Woods not coaching them up? Do they have the capacity for that coaching up? Um, are, are they getting coached to be too aggressive? You know, I don't know what it is, but I just don't think they have enough players Who know enough of what they're supposed to do and can stay within themselves that it doesn't matter how fast you are, you know, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa is getting beat on a lot of play actions, a lot of misdirections, and he is freakishly athletic. But in the end, if you have two or three guys getting beat on a regular basis, it doesn't matter how athletic you are because you're just not in the right position. So again, I think that's front office and coaching, but you can only coach so much. And so, did they go a little too young, a little too focused on athletes, and not enough on guys who really see football the way you need to see football on the defensive side of the ball?
0: No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today. Playing pick 'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250K in cash alone. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb your leaderboard. For a shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, even those over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code, which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR. OBR. Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again, promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code OBR, nohouseadvantage.com.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Just go to indeed.com/slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Good stuff. I almost I had to mute myself for a second because Jose almost hit a grand slam just down the left field line. Oh and geez. He didn't Are you kidding I, me? I had to mute it. He ended up hitting a sack fly. So four-one. But anyway. I think you're right. I think there's a level of this whole thing where there's a attention to detail football understanding stuff that has that has just not been developed, whether they whether they knew this when they drafted these guys and they're they're not going to put that out in public. Right. They're not going to do that. But they have conversations about this prospect, about whether his where his football acumen is at that moment. And I think that largely to me with the football acumen stuff like. Are they overestimating how much they can develop it? That's that's the question, because I don't know that there's enough of both. Right. Drafting the guys that have it already and developing some of that stuff. To your point, I also think they're going through a change. I think that what they're doing is they're realizing and maybe they've taken player input. Maybe they've said, hey, guys, you're not getting it. What do we need to do differently? I highlighted some of those statistics today because some people come at me and they talk about well, they need to blitz more. And they need. Well, here's some stuff for you, which is pretty out there. So the Browns played 22 snaps of man coverage Sunday. That's pretty much all cover one. They played one cover zero where they brought six guys. That's the eighth most in the NFL in week six. So I was interested. I'm like, that's interesting. Is that a consistent thing they've been doing? Yeah, it is since week four. So weeks four through six, they played the NFL's fifth most man coverage snaps. So there's a shift happening here. There's something going on. Did the players get some input? Is Joe Wood saying we can't handle zone? I'm curious because there has been a shift going on here. And and I think I tried to remind people that by the shape of it, the risk is just higher with man coverage. You're not getting the help to every portion of the field. You know, you might have a single high free safety who can help you if you get a, a deep route that you get beat on over the middle of the field. But to the sake of Grant Delpit, if you're trying to to cover a, a guy in motion on a tight end corner and you slip and fall, hey brother, there's nobody out there to help you. It's over. It's a wrap. So you people who constantly want man coverage, man coverage, man coverage. It comes with risk because a blown zone coverage can have somebody over top of it waiting. For example, the first drive, third and seven, the Browns mess up a cover three or or at least one guy did. Maybe it was cover one and everybody else was playing it, but but Greedy Williams wasn't. And they have a guy wide open at the sticks (laughs) for 17, turns it into a 17 yard catch. But that's a little different because it's a different portion of the field and could perhaps be in zone where you have people blanketed over top when you run a lot of man Again, huge vulnerabilities in certain portions of the field. So you have to understand that. And then someone's like, well, I wish they would blitz more. I said, well, let's do a little fact check on the blitzing. So this was what I found interesting. They're 12th in the NFL, Jared, in percentage of opponent dropbacks facing a blitz. Much higher than I think you would predict, right? Because we don't always look around. You might listen to this pod or see some write-ups from Cleveland people and they talk about it, but they're not looking around the rest of the league. How are they playing compared to the rest of the league? 12th most is high. They're also fourth. Here's an interesting, even more interesting nugget. They're fourth in the NFL in percentage of opponent dropbacks with a pressure. Now, that doesn't mean multiple pressures, but it means a pressure of some kind. So they're 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 blitzing. They're playing more man. They're doing these things. The problem is these four to five to six plays a game that they're not making winning plays. They're not making the winning plays. So that's why it looks worse. You know, obviously, Grant... Uh, Delpit is struggling with this stuff. Denzel Ward has struggled all year. Like there's, there's just not making the winning, I'm not, I guess what I'm getting to the general point of, I'm not totally sure that we can sit here and pinpoint at 100% the coverage stuff on scheme. I think they're trying to do different things. They, they ran a, they ran a lot of quarters in the past. They're not running much quarters. They're running cover three, and they're running cover one. And they're really trying to get more man-to-man involved. And that could be the player saying, hey, we want to play more man. It could be a variety of things. But they're switching it up. And, again, these questions come up, which are fair questions of who's – okay, so this is the second one from, from Aaron, Jared. If it isn't a front office issue so much, does Woods not do anything differentiated? You know, this, Aaron says, my assumption is that any scheme can be beat, which is true. Which of these point of disguises and irregularity? So, so the the question he's asking is, are they not doing anything? Not just I kind of have laid out to you how they're doing some things different approaching man, but they're not disguising anything. That to me is what's interesting. Really, if you think you're getting zone, you're getting zone. If you think you're getting man, you're getting man. If you think you're getting cover three, you're getting cover three. They're really not doing anything to confuse quarterbacks post snap. And I think we can all agree, Bailey Zappi, among many others this year, have looked pretty damn comfortable so what we're getting at here and i think this is the beyond the baseline i'm running some man are you doing things to make the life on the quarterback on the other team his life difficult the running back difficult and i cannot say yes to that because kurt warner even pointed it out in a tweet today. i'm not sure if you saw it jared but he said "You know, i was watching bailey zappy this that and the other and just the Browns just make it easy on the opposing offense. It was funny, dude, there, they are these snaps yesterday. I pointed out in the pod, Jared, where they're running max protect play action and they're just running two man route concepts and over from the right side and over route in a skinny. And they're saying, Hey, we don't think your safety is going to cut the over route and your linebackers can't handle play action. We're just going to throw it past them. Did it multiple times. The corner starts to say, I'm tired of letting this crossing route. Just eat up Jacob Phillips. I'm going to cheat it. Well, then they run a little post corner off of it and they have a wide open 25 yard gain down the right sideline. So like, They're very, very predictable. That's the thing that I think is tough. And the question about the predictability, Jared, is, is it a Joe Woods issue or is it that these guys just can't handle it issue? And I think it probably is one and the other. It probably, you know, if you can't teach it to your guys, right, if you can't get it through to them, that's a you thing as a coordinator because this stuff is not rocket science and these guys are not they're not dumb. They're just not, they're not understanding it. So Jeff Howard and Joe Woods, like, that's
1: a problem to me, man. Yeah, I think, I think it's such a valid question because I think it does come back to age. I think it comes back to experience. I think it comes back to trust, right? One of the things that Joe Woods said early in the season, week two or three is, you know, I I've stopped having those multiple calls because basically he didn't say it, but basically they can't handle the complex, and so it's one of those things where if you can't handle the complex, then you're going to be easy to read. You're going to be easy to understand because you can't even figure out how to stay in your own run gap, right? Or, or in coverage that, which coverage are we in or what does that mean to carry that over route or, you know, all the different things that you talked about. And so I do think it's a both end, right? It's, can the players digest it? Can Joe Woods teach it? It sounds, seems like Joe Woods can't teach this young group to do anything complicated because he can't teach them how to do the simple things. And, and that's why it's really uh, one of the things that kind of floated to me as you were talking is it's really interesting that we have decent expectations for this team. And it's also at least the 50, the initial 53 man roster was the youngest in the league this year, right? So with the Gardos, no idea what's going on there, which is great. Uh, with the Gardos, like, we're excited that they they made it to the playoffs and that they, they beat the Rays and they're taking this game to the fifth game because they're so young. They're ahead of things. But with the Browns, they're so young. They're still the youngest team in the league, uh, at least initial 53-man. But we have these expectations of them being good. And I wonder sometimes if that's on us, right? Because they do have the Miles Garrett, the Denzel Wards, the, you know, all the different the Chubbs, the offensive line, all of that kind of stuff. There are just so many really, really young players in this team that I'm just not sure they can. They can do anything complicated. That they can. But the thing is, I Jared, mean, NFL age yeah, is
0: not the same as baseball age. It's
1: different. You're these right. guys are veteran. Yeah, you're, like
0: in your your football life. I don't know what the average is anymore. I, I really don't. I it's, probably four it's and not a half much. still somewhere. In that yeah, area. it's really not much. Right. So yeah, the totally against their peers, the Browns relatively are young. I, I get that, but like especially some of these guys who have been around Joe Woods for three years now, and it's like right. Those are veterans, brother. They're veterans in a short no, week. Yeah. So like, I, I'm not saying you're wrong, but what I'm trying to get to is like, okay, for example, this, Jared, if your classroom is struggling to get test scores or whatever, to get, you can't just, as a teacher, you can't just throw your hands up. Eh, it's all them. You know, True. they don't let you do that anymore, as far as I'm told. Like, they don't let you do that. So <laughs> you got to figure out different ways. Like, are they differentiating their teaching approach to these guys? What are they doing to help perhaps different learning styles for these guys. Like, I just think you can't just eh, shrug your shoulders because again, I say, if Grant Delpit goes somewhere else, if John Johnson goes somewhere else, he's already done it somewhere else. I see these guys being good players for other teams. So why can't they figure it out for you? And that is my biggest reason for like, they need mm-hmm. a different voice, a different approach. And the question is just when I am out, I've made it known on this pod, long-term viability of Joe Woods. I do not see it working. I don't. I just don't. I don't think they do enough, and I don't think they teach well enough, these guys. Yes. And, like, I'm out. Now, the yes. question, that the third question, which I want to ask you, is, is it feasible, Aaron asked another last good question here, is it feasible to have him replaced midseason? So, you know, the question is, is it is it feasible to have somebody outside, or if they do go with somebody inside, you know, what do you think they can do? Can they change the playbook? Can they do different? Like, that's the question, Jared. I think it's a good one is. Do you I'm asking you point blank, do you think he should be removed? And if he is removed, is the answer even an option to look outside right now? I think no, but I'll let you answer that.
1: Or if it's internal, what yeah. can a guy internally actually do? Yeah, that so in changing him doesn't make any sense to me because a lot of the stupid things I see. I know he's not teaching, but he's not actually getting ahead to them. But I don't know how Jeff Howard or Jason Tarver, I'm guessing Kiffin's not getting the job. I don't see how they make that big of a difference. Now, again, the guy that I keep bringing up is, you know, whether Wade Phillips, who Woods actually coached under at one point in time, if a Wade Phillips is like, I can come in with everybody else, bring me in, he could be the John Dorsey to Sashi Brown, like they brought in Dorsey in the middle of a season and he started kind of making his move slowly, you know, to start that season. That's really kind of the one guy that might make a lick of sense. It's unlikely to happen, right? There's like, they'd have to throw, throw a ton of money at him and somehow they would have to make that make sense. And I don't know how it does, right? I just don't know how that makes sense. I think for me, it also is, is an indictment of Andrew Barry, Paul Podesta, and Kevin Savansky, right? They all meet, they're aligned, you know, they're all on the same page. They have these meetings twice a week to go over plans and, and all of that. And so if they're all still on board with Joe Woods, that means either they're being stubborn for stubborn sake, or they literally are saying, Hey, Andrew Barry, you've not drafted or brought in players that fit. Right. They're 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 putting all of the responsibility if they stick around with Joe Woods, especially after the year, which shouldn't happen. I just don't know if Tarver Howard, you know, if any of those guys, you know, how do you redo a defense in in that short amount of time while the season is going on? They don't have a bye week until week 12. So it's not like it's not going to matter then. Right. If the defense sucks and they need to replace Joe Woods, it's not going to matter by that point in time. So they don't have kind of that built-in bye week to make that decision. So again, I think Wade Phillips is literally the only guy that would make sense unless I'm not thinking of somebody who has some similarities to Joe Woods, is a veteran presence, knows what he's doing, and can really kind of motivate some folks. Uh, And I believe he actually shared some time with John Johnson uh, out with the Rams as well.
0: He did. He did. And I, I I think it's borderline. I think you're right. But it's borderline impossible to do because you, you yeah. just don't have the time you could do it a, like a bye week, I guess. But like even that's hard. I guess the thing I point to is is why people are like defense is so hard to change in season, but offense is OK. You can figure that like we saw Freddie Kitchens take over the Browns offense and make it better, you know, make it make it better so i'm not going to sit here and say that nobody internally can change this thing like i i just i can't say that i can't say it so to me i just think it's it's more of a viable thing towards the bye week and i do think that it can and, and again i i don't think joe's here long term and i don't think most of these guys are here long term necessarily but to me It's like the message being sent of you're not getting the job done. So we are gonna remove you from the equation is an is a message you probably want to send everybody for the rest of the year. And that's on your roster. You can you can do you can do less with your roster than you can with the coaching staff, in my opinion. Like you you can't really you can't just go sign people. You can't. There's practice squad guys, I guess, but like to a coaching degree, I think you've got capable coaches beneath this coach who probably, as far as people I've talked to that know some of those guys. Again, I'm not trying to drop a huge nugget here. I think they think they could do things differently. I really do. So, just yeah. like to me, I, I think it's it's kind of funny that we 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 as a collective group watched Freddie Kitchens do that. Now, again, that ultimately that Freddie Kitchens thing led to a a massive mistake of the next hire. I get it, but like to sit here and say the defense couldn't get better if they removed him from what's the basis for that? They don't have to become a top five defense out of nowhere, but becoming a top twenty, top twenty three. That's better. That's something you can win some games that way. So I just don't think it's crazy. I just don't think it's crazy. And I I, I think it's like with Woods, the message is not getting through. And it's I, I don't see the problem with it, I guess, is my general point. I really don't at this point because I don't see him as a long term answer. And I do want to send some messages to people about a sense of effing urgency
1: here. And I think what's interesting is you're right about the roster, but they still can do some things. And I, and I, and it just popped into my head. They tried, they did one of them all, this offseason. They traded Troy Hill, mm-hmm. right? He was supposed to be a big part of their, their defense as that slot corner guy. And they were like, one year and you got to go back for whatever they got a fifth or a sixth round pick for him. But I think it can't be just coach only because then it scapegoats what the players' struggles were, right? A little bit. Like it's got to be a, some kind of, coach and, and I don't know who that player would be. Isaac Rochelle isn't going to be big enough for that, but a benching of Jacob Phillips maybe, right. Or, or Grant Delpit, or, you know, literally putting in, um, the Anthony bell into Grant Delpit's spot mm-hmm. because Delpit can't cover for nothing. Like it's gotta be a both. And if you're going to go in that direction, and again, whether that's Howard or Tarver, I think those are the two probable names. Um, again, at this point, it's not going to happen because it's Tuesday at five twenty, So it's not happening this week. Uh, How much longer if they lose the next two games, it doesn't even matter. Right. Except for kind of preparing for next year and maybe seeing how Jeff Howard or Tarver do in that role kind of thing. So, um, you know, at some point it can get worse, right? Like that's the problem. Yeah, That's a it thing. People are talking. They, they fail to mention that. And I,
0: I recognize that it can always get worse. It can always get worse. But the risk reward of this getting worse than what it is on defense to me, I kind of think the risk is worth it. I just, I just do, they can get worse, yeah. but you know, I mean, the, the varying level of worse is to me, not as much a risk I'm not willing to take as it is the other side of things. So anyway, I'm with it. We're going to do a couple, actually go to your next question, Jerry, because I think your next question building off of this
1: Joe Woods <laughs> replacement conversation is a fair one to discuss. The Cleveland Browns are two and four. And everyone wants Joe Woods fired, and and I don't think I think a lot of people think Mike Prefer should be gone as well. But the question is very simple, Jake: If the Browns recover a special uh, onside kick from the New York Jets, and Cade York makes a field goal against the Los Angeles Chargers, the Cleveland Browns are four and two. Are we having anything near these kind of conversations, or the strength of these conversations about Joe Woods? If those two, just two. That would have ended games, right? Those are these aren't like first quarter plays. If those two plays go differently on special teams, and and the Cleveland Browns are four and two, are we having anywhere near these kind of conversations about Joe Wood?
0: I think we are. I think we are not having the severity that we're having, which is a a lot of episodes and write-ups focused on removing him, but I think there are people who are talking about the capped ceiling for this team because of the defense and the similar issues we're seeing are going to be – I think the players would be playing a little harder at 4-2 and than they would be at 2-3 and coming into this last one, but – I still think people like myself would be talking about these issues that are still manifesting over and over again and you know what the long term I'm looking at what the long term of this defense can be and I just I just don't see it. So maybe I think it's fair to say the severity of which is not uh is not the level it is right now but I still think it would be a point of discussion. Do you think do you think that's right or not?
1: Yeah, I think it'd be a point of discussion, but I think the discussion would go like this. Is Joe Woods good enough to make help them win in the playoffs, right? Like it's gonna be it's that level of conversation as as opposed to right, think about the Kansas City Chiefs. I think it was two years ago. Like they had the worst defense in the NFL, maybe three years ago. You know, they were winning games forty five to forty two, and you know, it didn't matter. They had some talent on that team with Chris Jones and Frank Clark and, you know, all the guys they had. I think Matthew was still there mm-hmm. as well or had gotten there when they were bad. And so that was the conversation. The conversation was, is the defense not bad enough that it's going to screw kind of what happens uh, from uh, in the playoff kind of perspective. So I think it would just be a different level of conversation because when you win, everything else is about how do you get better? How do you make the playoffs? I don't think the conversation is going to go anywhere near what it is right now. I have no idea what chiefs fans were talking about back then, but I know that at that point, that defense sucked. It was bad. It was really bad. And it was a big concern. I think it ended up biting them. If I recall,
0: um, uh, they did. They did they go to the Super Bowl that year or not? I can't remember. It's all a blur. Chiefs have been around for what feels like forever now. So I don't totally remember. But that defense was bad for a really long stretch of that season. I think they did get better by the end of the year. I think they started to figure some things out. And I think that's what a large part of the discussion with Woods would be uh, right now. We're not going to. We're, not gonna, we're four yep. and two, so we're not going to talk about firing coordinators. We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he maybe gets it right like the end of last year where they were playing better at the end of last year. But right now, it's so bad against the expectations where the expectations weren't as high at the beginning of the year, right? Last year, the expectations right. were higher for this group this year. And if they were four and two, I think we would, he would get a lot of people saying, well, we'll wait and see if they figure it out by the end of the year like they did last year. But right now, it's so bad. They're two and four. Everything's down and gloom and doom that it means people are saying, I just want this guy out. I just want him out. And yep. that's why it's the nature at which it is. So to, to br- bring it to our last point here, um, the cultural stuff with the Browns, it it feels like this year and listen, every year is a Browns Ian year, even the year they made the playoffs. There's still Browns Ian mm-hmm. stuff, man. I, I don't know how to describe it. And that's the larger crux of what I'm saying. Asking discussing here is they just don't seem to make winning plays but they're guys who comes from guys who come from winning programs people who have come from other winning stops in the NFL and it's like what is it about this place that is stopping good football players from playing good football and making smart football decisions because it just doesn't like the 50-50 stuff does not seem to often enough break the right way i was stunned i'm stunned when it does the hunter henry push out of the back of the end zone come back in catch a touchdown stunned they called that and upheld it but there's more often the other side of things which is the Jacoby Brissett face mask they miss or they're just as there's the stepping out of bounds on the return uh the onside kick there's the you know the the punt return botch where you just don't even see I guess you did see one on Monday Night Football last night where cost him the game but like I, I don't know man I, I think there's this stigma around the browns of everything that can go wrong will go wrong, and it's like for the longest time we've talked about different coaches, different front office people, different leaders, and nobody can seem to figure out how to change that. It seems like the things that can go right for teams like Pittsburgh and New England and and uh, k c and they figure it seems like Buffalo has turned the tide there a little bit, and it's like
1: mm-hmm.
0: they have found people who have beat. The stigma of lovable loser stuff. And it's like, to me, does Cleveland have those people? And is my is Miles the a guy? Is Denzel a guy? Because these are your dudes you've paid. Miles, Denzel, and young guys you paid. I'm Joel's older, right? Joel's older. So right. there's some older guys they paid, Ta- but you're young Teller core, and Chubb. Chubb. Teller, Miles, Denzel, and Chubb. I think I'm already said Chubb, but uh, an Ninjoku. Sorry, that's your five. None of those guys. Stand out to me as true vocal leaders. Miles tries to do it, but boy, has it come off weird sometimes. I don't think it's in his its MO. I don't think it's who he is. He tries, and I applaud him for it, but he says some stuff that it's like, okay, man, probably shouldn't have said that. Crowd based stuff, things <laughs> like that. So I guess it leaves one more person who's been paid big money. And that's Watson. And it's like, with all the stigma around yeah. Watson, who's the guy? Stefanski can't do it alone. Who's the guy like they've got to have like in Buffalo, they've got Josh Allen. They seem to have Tradavius White. They have some leaders around there in the safeties employer, and and, and some of those guys that have all joined together to defeat the stigma, defeat the Murphy's law bullshit. Is there that core in Cleveland? That is something I think of the guys that they've paid is a very fair question because I I'm worried about that Jared, because eventually it's just, Hey man, we got to make winning plays and it's unacceptable to not make winning plays. And like, that is the stuff that leaders usher out of a locker room. And I'm just not certain the guys they have paid, not saying it can't be done or it won't work itself out, but I'm worried about that. Do you think that's justified or not? And am I on the right track here with some of this?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's justified because winning football is really interesting, right? It's one of the reasons a lot of times teams, can tend towards some of those bigger programs, the Alabamas and Ohio States, right? Because winning is, it's something you can't measure, but it's something, right? And so you made me you made me think about the Buffalo situation. So I just real quickly went to pro football reference. So McDermott and Bean were hired in 2017. But if you look at the years prior to that, seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven, six and 10, six and 10, six and 10. Six and 10. The only terrible season they've had since, I don't know, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stop at some point in time. They've had two terrible seasons, four or five wins since 2006, right? So they weren't a like terrible, terrible team. And then McDermott gets there. They go to the wild card. They lost the wild card, six and 10, 10 and six, 13 and three, 11 and six. Like they, they had something to build off of. And even the Batonios of the world, right? They've all experienced so much freaking losing and so much turnover that there are some, I don't know if it's muscle memory, I don't know if it's attitude, but everything seems transitional in Cleveland, yeah. Yeah. right? Like all of those guys you just talked about have had, what, three head coaches probably, yeah. at least, somewhere in that range, maybe four or five, whatever the number is. Batonio's had 25, whatever. And so I think there just is something there. Um, you know, I can speak to, and this is going to sound off base a little bit, but I guess got to be honest about cultural things. One of the few things that hasn't changed in Cleveland for a very, very long time, um, is kind of the media relations, the PR stuff, some of that kind of stuff has not changed. And so there is something to kind of how the media covers the team, how they talk to the players, uh, and again, I'm not blaming the media. Oh, there's no, me there's no
0: doubt that there are some that do this that thrive in the negativity and thrive in the I told you so and can't wait to go down that path. Again, they're not the ones doing the stuff on the field. They're not the ones. No, not at all. Them, but they are eager to get there
1: and it gets hostile. And quick. it does. And that's so when we talk about culture, like culture isn't. And listen, you got to be good at football, like put that to the side. Culture is some of that underlying kind of thing. The Browns organization, and this is not just coming from me, this is coming from people within, you know, that I've met at the Combine and other places, is the most paranoid organization in the NFL and has been for a very, very long time. And paranoia, when your players know it, and I'll just be very blunt about that, when your players know that they work for a paranoid organization that has a distrustworthy owner uh, that they don't trust, and that probably doesn't trust any of them because he's shady in and of himself. And then you have the PR and the media and the front off, or not the front, the front desk, the exa- you know, the admins. Like there's a bunch of people that have been hanging around Berea for a very, very long time, and so there is some of this culture stuff which just kind of seems to seep in. Again, it's not major. But it does seep in, and then you add on exactly what you're talking about. I don't see – there is no guy, right? There's no Von Miller. Like, Von Miller in Buffalo and with the Rams and with Denver was the guy. Like, he was great, and he let people know what was up. Like, Jalen Ramsey wasn't the leader of the Rams defense when Von Miller got there. Even Aaron Donald wasn't. It was Von Miller, right? They are lacking that guy. They're also lacking – they're, they're lacking that difference maker that Watson is supposed to be right. It really builds a lot of confidence. That's what it comes down to. Like,
0: absolutely. That's the, the people that have covered this team for a long time. And the people that you're talking about surrounding personnel are justified. It's been negative for so long because what else do they know? It's crossed over different staffs and different front office alignments and different owners, even, you know, like it's crossed over all that. So, I guess my point is the bills got it right when they figured out their quarterback. And I think <laughs> it erases yeah. a lot of things. You <laughs> win games. You're not supposed to win. And that winning 11 and six is different than eight, and nine, because you've got a good court. So maybe, I don't know, man, the Watson stuff could figure itself out and it could work out and it could change a lot of the vibe. It could. But to me, the bigger issue is, are there enough guys? Because what it comes down to is the players on the field. The fans do listen. I have said this on this pod and, and shows on the OBR many times. There is a negative stigma amongst the fans. I'm not blaming the fans, but if you've been to first energy stadium, you've been there when a play has gone wrong and the, in the collective feel of, Oh shit, here we go again. It's there. It's, it's, it's yeah. there until it's defeated. Somebody has to defeat the shit. Like they have got to get a group of guys who say, I'm, I don't care what's happened here before. I'm going to do we're going to overcome it. We're going to overcome all of this and we're going to change how this thing feels, how it's <laughs> run. It takes a group of guys though. And largely it's a it's the guy at the most important position being the guy who makes the impossible stuff happen. That's why you have KC, yep. that's why you have Buffalo, that's why you have a lot. Now there's guys like Stafford who can 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 lead you to Super Bowls and, the, and but the long-term teams the, the I mean, to, for better or worse, Roethlisberger was that guy like they those places you <laughs> it's tied to quarterback stuff. So we'll see if Watson's able to, to lead the charge here. I don't know if you will. The jury's out, but they're banking on it and they paid him banking on it. And like it has yep. to probably start with him. But I'm getting at is the five guys that we named before the young core. Are they willing to step up and do it, too? Because sometimes those guys are also the issue they're not always helping so again it could sometimes it's just you have a franchise lifter who figures it out and elevates everybody up maybe watson's that guy but that's the only way it changes i don't think you can just sit here and say a head coach changes it it's more than that and it typically for 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 fair or unfair it's why these guys get paid the money they do it's the quarterback doing it so we'll see if watson's up to the challenge it's it that is watson's challenge he has not been in first energy stadium he doesn't know that vibe that vibe that that, listen bro i i've said this story so many times i can't tell it again but your team scores 20 points you're up 20 nothing but they return the kick uh they block your extra point at 20 to nothing it's 20 to two and you feel like you're gonna lose you don't know that. I think vibe. I was covering
1: that Baltimore Ravens. You game. don't
0: know that vibe. Bingo. You don't know that vibe until you've been in it. And I'll, that's, that's an a stigma. They have to find a way to overcome.
1: They just do. <laughs> I, they just do. I was in the press box. Every fan in front of the press box turned and looked at all of us. Like, this is going to happen, isn't yep. it? And I think the other thing, just a real quick as we finish up, um, I think the other thing is some of the ordering of, of things. And maybe I'm I'm misremembering, but it also feels like you get the quarterback, he's the difference maker, and then you add on some of the pieces. But I think John Johnson and Jadavian Clowney uh, were brought in as like these heroes that were going to make the difference. But without the quarterback, you can't really be the hero, yep. you know. And so I also I do know in the locker room over the last couple of years. Obviously, Baker Mayfield actually was that rah-rah guy. He just wasn't just that wasn't good, good on enough, the field yeah. and really didn't know any any also pissed some people mm-hmm. off um, in the locker room. But I know there's been a lot of locker room divide because it's like, look, I came in and they need me and they're, you know, I'm going to turn the tide or I'm going to flip things over. or I'm going to be the guy that takes it over the top. Well, there's nobody that's that unless it's a quarterback, right? And then you add on those additional pieces. So I think there is some ordering issue uh, that the Browns got ahead of themselves, maybe a, just a little bit Um thinking Baker was the guy. And then obviously he's not. Yeah, you so had to prepare accordingly. There's a lot of things. We'll
0: see. I mean, I need to see Stefanski yeah. for 16 with Watson. The rest of this year, yep. the end of the year, fine. Like I'll pay attention to it and dissect it, but I'm not making a hard decision on Stefanski until I see him with a full year of a quarterback that can do the stuff that Watson can do and see if there's something there. So, that's sort of where I'm at. I've called this year a bit of a lost cause at this point. I have a hard time seeing them dig out of the hole they're in. The next two weeks will definitively give us that answer based on how they handle these two teams in the division. But um, I'm already gearing toward what does 23 look like. And that's just where my yep. my mind is, because I think that you're you're certainly the uphill battle is so steep right now for this year. And I think 23 is where you get everybody on the same page and we'll see what matters and what's worth it. So Uh, Good episode, Jared. A lot of good stuff talked about here, man. Um, So thank you to you. Thank you to everybody who's stopping by listening to this one. And Aaron Hitchens, again, for the great questions that Jared and I spent some time on. Please, like I said, you you drive podcast discussions, you drive podcast banter, you you, you drive the general idea of uh, an entire show when you shoot over good questions like that. So thanks to Aaron for doing that. Again, thanks to Jared for taking the time to do this show with me, as he always does. And um, like I said, appreciate you stopping by. Chalk Talk will be up for you guys to replay watch as it's a live Tuesday show. So it'll be available for you to replay watch if you want to see some of the film coincided with some of my thoughts, Kyle Murphy's thoughts and John Stephenson's defensive notes. So check that out if you want to. Otherwise, guys, have a fantastic Wednesday. Thanks to Jared again for stopping by. Thanks to you as well. Be well and go Browns.